which is the last one. This, the one thing about this book is it doesn't have page numbers, so it's hard to find it, but it's the last story. But before we read that, I'm going to read to you the story that it's based on, which is from Luke chapter 12, verse 13 onwards. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's a parable that packs a real punch because today, just as 2,000 years ago, we need to handle money, we need food to eat, uh, we need a house to live in, we need to be able to buy things, to give things, we handle money, money in itself is perfectly neutral. You can do loads of good things with it, but if you wind up loving it, it can be very negative for you. And Jesus speaks more about money than he does about anything else. If you go through the Gospels and add up all the times he speaks about money, it's more than that than anything else. Because uh, he knows just how easy it is to put our trust in money rather than in him. And that's why he told this story. So I'm going to read to you now the story of the rich farmer, or the rich fool as Jesus called him, uh, as told by Mick uh, Inkpen and Nick Butterworth. So let's have the pictures up on the screen. Here we go. Here is a farmer who's very rich. The farmer is rich because his soil is rich and his corn grows faster than anybody else's and higher than anybody else's. And at harvest time, he has much more of it than anyone else. Lucky man. This year, he has so much corn that his old barn can't hold it all. It's bursting at the seams. No problem, says the farmer. I'll pull it down and build a bigger one. Then next year, I'll be rich enough to take life easy. So he builds a bigger barn. But when harvest comes round again, the new barn is not big enough. The greedy farmer's planted more corn than before, and carrots too. No problem, says the farmer. I will build an even bigger, better barn. Then next year I'll be richer still, and then I can really enjoy myself. So he builds a bigger, better barn. But at harvest time, even the bigger, better barn is not big enough. Again, the farmer's planted too much corn, too many carrots, and a few cabbages as well. This time, the farmer says to himself, I will build the biggest, grandest barn the world has ever seen, and then I'll be so rich I need never work again. The barn he builds reaches up to the sky. When it's finished, the farmer sighs a great big sigh. Tomorrow, I will gather in the harvest, and then at last I shall begin to enjoy myself. I know I'll have a party. But that very night, he died in his sleep, just like that. 
The birds ate his corn, the rabbits dig up his carrots and his cabbages go to seed. The big barn stands empty and the rich farmer never does get to enjoy his money. Poor man. Jesus says, how silly it is for a man to spend his whole life storing up riches for himself. To God, he's really a poor man. Or Jesus was even more blunt. Jesus said, a fool. Now, this is not a story told against farmers. We love farmers, and there are loads of good farmers. And many of you might have been enjoying Clarkson's Farm and seeing just how tough life is for farmers as well. I grew up in a, in a village surrounded by farmers. I have my utmost respect to farmers. Uh, and if they manage to make any money at all, then it is fantastic. This is a story told to any of us about where we put our trust. Do we put our trust in God, or do we put our trust in things? Now, lots of us learn about storing up stuff through playing this game. Who here has ever played Monopoly? Okay. Who, as a child, enjoyed playing Monopoly? Who here ever had family rows and arguments about Monopoly? Okay. Now, this Monopoly set is one of my heirlooms. I bought this with my own pocket money 50 years ago when I was eight. And it cost one pound, actually it was just before I was eight, it cost one pound ten bob. I was eight in 1971, 50 years ago, when we went decimal. That would have been one pound fifty. It was one pound ten bob just before decimal. Uh, now, I, I'd started playing Monopoly when I was about seven with an older friend who was about nine, and I loved it. Uh, now you can get junior Monopoly. You can start playing this when you're about five or six, if you really like and it's a fantastic game to teach all sorts of things. Games are wonderful to teach about being wise, about being prudent, about being careful, about caring for others. Uh, but the biggest lesson of all in playing games, whether it's Monopoly or anything else, is this one. When the game is over, everything goes back in the box and you put it away in the cupboard and you haven't got anything. It's great fun playing the game. But at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. And that is probably the most important lesson about life. That whatever we accumulate, however much we've got, you can't take it with you when you go. Uh, it all goes back in the box, as it were, and gets passed on. Sometimes people ask, when a rich person dies, how much did he leave or how much did she leave? And the answer always, is always exactly the same. Everything. All of it. We can't take it with us when we go. And Jesus told a story about this farmer who really had no sense that everything was a gift from God and no sense that this life came to an end. So Jesus said he really had no sense at all. He was a fool. Now, learning this lesson is important. Playing games is a brilliant way to learn life lessons. Um, and I'll tell you a bit more, another story about this Monopoly set uh, in a moment one that some of you will know very well and could tell for me, because it's one of the old friends that I tell in this church. Ross is grinning on the front row, and one or two of you others are as well. Uh, but teaching this lesson that life is not all about acquiring things. Yes, we need to earn. Yes, we need to give. Yes, we need to be prudent. Yes, we need to save. Yes, we need to be wise. But God does not weigh our life by how much we have. As Jesus finished the parable, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life really is about relationships, it's about love, it's about love for God and love for each other. Uh, and the more we're filled with love, the happier we are. And possessions on their own will not make us happy. But we have to learn this lesson. 
and it's hard. Now, my Thomas, who's now 30, has learned this lesson by now, but when he was five, he found it very hard to learn. Uh, we'd been talking about heaven. We may even have been reading this story about the fact that eventually we'll die. Uh, and I remember reading a bedtime story to Thomas and praying with him, and by the side of his bed, he had a bag, and he'd put all his favorite toys in it. And I said to him, why have you got that? Why have you got all your favorite toys there in a bag? He said, well, just in case I die in the night, I want to have that ready to take with me. So I said to him, but we can't take anything with us when we go. He said, why not? He said, well, when we get, I said, when we get to heaven, Jesus will have everything we need for us. Thomas, age five, I'm not having Jesus tell me what I can take to heaven. <laughs> so, well, he's learned now, and he's, he's now a curate and teaching other people that they can trust God. But I remember teaching him the lesson. We have to learn these things. Uh, and games are a good way. Uh, I don't know how you do it in your family, but when a game's over, particularly if there's been a punch-up over Monopoly and someone's gone up in a huff, we had the rule that the winner packs up. I recommend that. Uh, so uh, if anybody helps them pack up, that's brilliant. If everybody helps pack up, that's an even better rule. But we made the rule that the winner has to pack up and anybody can help them just in case it had all gone wrong. And that seemed to work in our family. Um, but the point is it all goes back in the box. We can't take us with us when we go. So we need to learn how to handle our money and possessions in a way that is healthy and good. Jesus said at the end of this story... This man was a fool because he focused on all his stuff, but he had to leave it all behind. Jesus said it's much better to be rich in God's sight. So what does that mean? Well, to be rich in God's sight is to value all the things that really matter and to put God first before anything else. If we put anything else before God, that's called an idol. And for lots of people, money is their idol, as it was for this rich farmer. Uh, and as it attention for many of us with those things. And we need to learn to use the gifts God gives us, money and possessions, to bless others, to use them to build his kingdom, that's giving them to uh, God's mission and God's work, use them to bless others. Uh, it's wise as well to save of something if we can, so that if bad times come, then we've got something stored up. My parents taught me when I was little... They gave me pocket money in multiples of 10 so that I could learn to tithe. I could give a tenth to the church and I could save a tenth. So I used to have a pot for where I get my pocket money and I'd put a tenth of it into the giving pot and a tenth of it into the saving pot. And I learned to give. I recommend that, by the way. Uh, if you've got children, school age, start giving pocket money in tens. It's a... What the precise level is of pocket money now, I have no idea. I'm sure there'll be some family discussions on the way home or those of you watching about uh, if you're at school and your parents haven't started giving you pocket money, do ask them nicely. Will you start to give me pocket money? Parents, please do. It teaches them to add up. It teaches them that money runs out. It teaches them to give it away. It teaches them to save it. And it's quite a useful tool of discipline because you can remove it if needed. So I entirely, entirely recommend parents giving pocket money. But children, ask your parents to give pocket money. Do it in multiples of 10 because then you can learn to give a tenth. It's much easier to learn it when you're a child than when you're older, when the numbers get older, get add up. But I had learned to do this. So I, had a, I can picture it now, uh, yogurt pots. Right, the same sort of size as yogurt pots are today. Two pots, one for my giving and one for my saving. 
and I used to give each Sunday the tenth of my pocket money uh, to the church, and I saved up. And I remember I was saving up for, actually, this Monopoly set. And it cost one pound and ten bob. That was in the days when you had pound notes and you had ten bob notes. 50p notes, imagine that. Uh, and I had saved up enough, because I can picture the yogurt pot. There was a green pound note in there, so I had more than a pound, and there were some coins, including those octagonal thruppany bits, if you're old and you remember those. Uh, this is in the very olden days, a long time ago, long before Ross, our worship leader, was born. Long before. Uh, but this was 50 years ago, I'm talking about, when I bought this. And we had a gift day in the church. I have no idea what it was for, like we've sometimes done gift days here. We had amazing gift days for the redevelopment of this building uh, over the last decade. And if you're new, ask people to tell you the stories of those days. They were amazing days when the whole church gave generously and we discovered that you can't outgive God. Uh, wonderful day. But I first started learning this lesson when I was seven or eight, saving up for this Monopoly set. And something moved me to give everything in my savings yogurt pot to the gift day. I'd needed one pound ten bob. I didn't have it. I'd got about one pound and three or four bob, whatever it was. I gave it all. I don't know why, uh, but a week or two later, someone sent me through the post. It wasn't my birthday. It wasn't Christmas. They sent me five pounds. Amazing. And my parents were very quick to make spiritual capital of this. You see, Jonathan, you cannot outgive God. Now, it is true that we can't outgive God. He will not always give us back money. He often gives us things that are much more valuable in sense of joy or peace or relationship or contentment or the ability to sleep or whatever. Those things are far more valuable. But it's true that we cannot outgive God. And I've been learning that lesson every year since then. And I've been preaching it. So we give regularly. That's why I've given out the parish giving scheme leaflets today, because it ties in with this parable. We encourage people to give a tenth, to save a tenth, and to live off 80%. Uh, that's a rough and ready reckoner. You can do it however the Lord leads you. Uh, do ask the Lord, Lord, what should I give? And if he puts a number in your mind, I recommend giving that. You can argue with him. In my mind, the number always goes up. So I reckon it. <laughs> but you can't outgive the Lord. So... That money was given to me, and I bought this Monopoly set with it. And that's why I've never thrown it away, why we've never upgraded it. It is an ancient old Monopoly set. It's tied together with strings. The cardboard's so fragile now. You can get much better modern Monopoly sets, but this one is a treasure to me because it's how I learnt, first off, when I was the age, some of you are now, that you cannot outgive God. Uh, I won't say more than that now. Uh, probably say a bit more later in the autumn about that but let's just be still for a moment but I wonder if you'd stand perhaps the band would come back ready to lead us in prayer when Kate was leading us in prayer she got us to thank God for good things that have happened for things that God's given to us and we thank you Lord that you are a giving God you've put us in this world You've given people around us. We thank you for our health. We thank you for our food. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for education. When we look at Afghanistan, we thank you so much for the privilege of living in this country. And we thank you that you've made us in your image. You're a generous God and you've made us to be generous giving people. Forgive us when we hoard things for ourselves. 
Help us to be good stewards of what you give. We pray for each one of us that you help us as we reassess our level of giving to the church and elsewhere. We pray for those who don't have enough and thank you that we have this hardship fund and we pray, Lord, uh, that you would always provide enough in this church family that we can make sure everybody has what they need.